Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. So glad that you're here. Uh, I want to echo a couple of things real quick. First of all, I know we got a lot of announcements. We're doing a lot around here. There's something special. Actually, two things going on tonight. First of all, 5 o'clock is Discover VFC. If you're new here or if you've been coming for a while and you've never been to this class, it's just a kind of getting to know you class where you can figure out who we are, why we're here, what our vision is. And we have a growth plan for you, whether you know it or not, I have a plan for you. And so we'd love to see you here at 5 o'clock. Just come in through the main doors and we'll get you to the right place. Also, at 6 beginning around the same time, is our last night of prayer and worship because uh, it's the last day of our 21-day fast. Whew, we made it. We made it. Don't, don't, don't do whatever you're supposed to not be doing. Don't do it tonight, okay? It's tomorrow when you can start doing that again. I, like, really want some sweets. Um, and so uh, I'll celebrate. We'll, we'll find some way to celebrate ice cream or something. Tomorrow. Um, so that's going on. Also, I just wanted to mention, I know, you know, you see the, the new sanctuary building is still being built. It's, it's people, the number one question I get, I need a shirt that says, I don't know, because everyone says, when will it be done? I don't know. It'll be done when it's done, but it is coming up soon. I personally am hoping that it gets done by Easter, mainly because I don't want to do three services <laughs> again on Easter. It's just a lot. Um, and so, but it's still, we're still watching it. Easter does seem at this point to be, uh, um, uh, very possible. Uh, what we want to do though, what I'd love to do is not only be in there for Easter, but the Friday before I'd love to have a Friday night fire on good Friday. Right. And the first thing we do is worship. Uh, that'd be awesome. So, you know, I don't know is the answer. Read the t-shirt. I don't know, but we're hopeful that it'll be by Easter. So that's something to pray for. Okay. Sounds good. We are finishing our series this morning called Make Room, where I thought we should take January, the whole month, and and talk about the things that God is asking us to make room for in our lives. And so uh, we've, uh, we've talked about the first week that make room for vision. Your vision makes the decision. If you need to know what to do in your life, figure out what God has told you to do in your life, and then you'll make your decisions based on that. Second week, we talked about making room for maturity. Children are designed to grow. You are God's son or daughter. And if you're not growing, something's wrong. Something's wrong. We need to make sure that we're all going, not perfection, but going in the right direction. Uh, The third week, we talked about making room for community. You know, when you were invited to to follow Jesus, other people were invited too. So that means we have to learn how to get along with one another and be in community with one another. Last week, uh, Pastor Eric talked about making room for service. Didn't he do a great job? 
I love it when I'm not preaching and, and someone on our staff or someone in our church family shares that it's just so good. And so Eric did a great job. He's not, not here. He's recovering from knee surgery. So pray for him when you get a moment. Um, so he'll, he'll be back soon enough. But he talked about the fact that serving, just like giving teaches us to be good stewards of our money, serving teaches us to be good stewards of our time. And so there need to be intentional times of service in our walk with God um, for our own spiritual growth. Today, we're talking about making room for God's presence. I really hope you do this. I, I, I really hope, as I was writing this message and praying over it, I, in my heart, I really hope, I really hope this isn't just informational this morning. I hope it's something that you apply to your life. Uh, it's, it's, it, this, this message, and I, I hate hype. Holy Spirit doesn't need hype. He's powerful and amazing on his own. But I really genuinely believe if you not just hear, but hear and obey, you get this message, it could change your life forever. It really could. I hope you do this. Because here's the truth. You were made to be with God. You were made to be with God. And even better news, God wants to be with you. He has done everything necessary for you to be with him. He's done all the heavy lifting. Everything he's done. I'll never forget one time we were, uh, we arrived at like a, a beach house. We were with my parents and uh, Tiffany and I and our, our children and uh, so I was in full dad mode, you know. I tried to beat the GPS estimate of when we'd get there. Yeah, I beat it five minutes, Arr, you know. <laughs> and for me, like, I don't want to, uh, everyone goes into the place, and oh, look at this, oh, look at this. I'm like, let's unload, let's get it done, right? And so I'm unloading um, the incredibly large suitcase from our car. One guess whose that is. And Ethan, at the time, my oldest, he's 22 now, but at the time, he was like four or five. And he goes, Dad, can I help? And I'm like, oh. Because you know when your four-year-old wants to help, they're not helping. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm like, sure. So I have to, I'm, I got this big suitcase, but for him to help, I've got to turn it sideways. Now I'm holding it. And he's got like this, a little bit of his hand touching the bottom of one side. And he's like, I'm helping. You know, I mean, he's, he thinks he's doing a great job. My parents see this, we're laughing. But we were talking afterwards Guys, that's what it's like in the kingdom of God. God has done all the heavy lifting for you. You just get to put your hand on what he's done. You just get to agree with the fact that he sent his son for you. He's, he's done everything necessary for you to come into his presence. Jesus, one of his names was Emmanuel. We really don't talk about this much outside of Christmas, but Emmanuel, it says he shall be called Emmanuel. Now, that's not what they called him to dinner. That's not the name they used. That, that wasn't how they addressed him. But Emmanuel, in, in Hebrew culture, the name um, had to do with significance. It had to do with purpose. It had to do with your design. Names meant something. And so he shall be called Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God with us. The plan from the very beginning, the heart of the Father towards you, is that He would be in relationship with you and you would be in relationship with Him. So, how do we do that? How do we make room? Look, you're full of whatever you've been feeding on. 
So if you want to be full of something else, you need to stop feeding on what you're feeding on now and feed on something else, right? And so if we need to make room for God's presence, how do we do that? I want to, I want to give you the key. Uh, in, in the structure of a sermon, often you walk the people up to like this final moment of realization. I'm going to give you the key right now. This is it, all right? The key to experiencing God's presence is awareness. This is it. This is the, the big truth, the big unveiling. Here it is. The key to experiencing God's presence is awareness. Isaiah 6, 3, Isaiah is having this encounter with the Lord. He's caught up into the throne room of heaven. He sees all the angels worshiping, and the angels say this. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole earth is filled with his glory. See, God, through his Holy Spirit, is what theologians call omnipresent. There are three omnis that we use to describe describe God. Um, Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omniscient, which means all-knowing. And then omnipresent, which means that he is everywhere. Now, the issue with this is that I look around the whole earth and there are parts where I think, surely God is not there. I think of maybe Auschwitz and the concentration camps during the time of Nazi Germany. I think of war and famine and pestilence. I think of uh, slavery. I think of sweatshops where children are, are, are barely paid anything and, and used. I, I think of abuse that people that I know and love have gone through. And it's hard to think, wow, I don't think God was there. So, so what does this verse mean if the whole earth is filled with his glory but yet we see so many bad things happen sometimes. Well, Scripture interprets Scripture. What does that mean? That means if you need help understanding the Bible, you go to the Bible. <laughs> you keep reading. And Habakkuk clarifies some. Habakkuk 2.14 says this, For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord, talking about a future date, when we know him personally, when we know him intimately. As the waters cover the sea, so will there be an awareness, an awareness of the glory of the Lord. See, here's the thing. The whole earth is filled with the potential of God's presence anywhere, anytime, for any reason. But he's waiting on us to recognize that he's there. Think about this. I think about this every once in a while, it kind of gets weird. Running through your body right now is all sorts of information. TV channels, CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox are in the air right now. There are dozens of radio stations right now that are coursing through your body. There's Wi-Fi, internet, there's cellular data. It's, it's, you can't see it, but it's, it's all around you right now. Why can you not see TV? Why can you not hear the radio? Why are you not picking up on Wi-Fi right now? Because you don't have the necessary receiver. Interestingly, sometimes our bodies can be receivers for those things. Have you ever heard of someone getting a radio station in a filling in their tooth? It's happened. They can hear. It's like, what are you trying to say, Lord? He's like, it's not me. It's 98.9 The Breeze, right? It's not God. 
It's not God. So, so we have all of these, all this information available to us, but we have to have the right receiver. You, you, a TV by itself, even with power, doesn't receive the signal. You've got to have an antenna to receive the message that's out there. In the same way, God is here. God's presence is everywhere. Wherever you go, whenever you go there, there's the potential for you to be interacting with God, but you have to put up your spiritual antenna. And what is that? That is your attention. It's your awareness. At any point in time, this is incredible. Whether you're at your home, whether you're, in your, you're at Walmart for whatever reason, wherever you are at work, in your car, you can turn your attention to the Lord and you can go, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And you can begin to worship Him and you can become aware that He is available and present in that moment. This is incredible. This means that as you give him your awareness, as you give him your attention, you are putting up your spiritual antenna. Yeah, even in the concentration camps, even in the terrible places of war, God is available to be with those people in that moment. Which means if you look for God everywhere, you can find God anywhere. If you'll train yourself to be aware of his presence, what an incredible gift we have. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So, I love getting really practical. I love giving you practical steps on how to do things. So, I want to walk you through how to make room for God's presence in your life. And the way I want to do it is I want to look at the life of Moses and we want to extract several things that Moses did that we can do today because Moses was known as someone who was a friend of God. He was someone who knew God intimately. When no one else on the planet knew God, Moses did. And so in in, uh, Exodus chapters 33 and 34, which would be great reading for you this week, if you're like, well, where do I read the Bible this week? Hey, Exodus 33 and 34. That'd be a great two chapters that you could invest in this week. So we're going to look at how Moses interacts with the father. Now, Israel's getting ready. They've escaped from Egypt, and and they're just kind of catching their breath. Whew, that was close. They've gone through the parting of the sea, and now it's time to make their way into the promised land. Okay, Moses has gotten the Ten Commandments from God and the children of Israel. They done messed up. They are worshiping a golden calf, right? Moses comes down from the mountain. He is hacked, man. He is so mad. He takes the Ten Commandments that God wrote with his own finger and he slams them on the ground and they break. And he gets so mad, he takes the golden calf. I don't know if you realize this. He grinds it up. And he puts it in their water supply and makes them drink it. So that when they pass it through their body, you know what I'm talking about, they defile it. That's how mad he was. Right? Dads, don't get any ideas with your kids. I'm going to take that Xbox and grind it up. I want you to 
Notice, though, after that, it's time to get on the move and start to travel. Exodus 33, 12 through 14. One day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me to take these people to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know your name and I look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And remember that this nation is your very own people. He was always trying to say, God, remember you said you loved them. All right? I know you're mad, but remember? Verse 14, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. The first thing that Moses did, the first thing that we do as well when we want to experience the presence of God, is we got to issue an invitation. We have to ask how many times do we go through life and something's going on and we, it's not the way we want it to be and we, we just don't think to ask God. We're like, oh man, oh. But like, you have to invite him. You have to invite him. It's something that he, wa- he wants you to invite him into your life. You wouldn't expect a guest over to your house if you hadn't invited them first, right? You wouldn't this afternoon be like, well, honey, where's Jamie. What are you talking about? Why is my pastor not here at my house? Well, did you ask him to come? No, but he should know. That's pretty unreasonable, isn't it? But I might respond to it. I might respond to an invitation. But you, why would you expect someone that you haven't invited? You know, we are called to invite the Lord. Look at this. Revelation 3.20, this verse, I've heard it used for evangelism to like ask people to get saved. But this verse, Jesus is talking to the church. He's not talking to unsaved people. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, behold, or look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and what? Open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. See, Jesus is already knocking. Again, he's already done the heavy lifting. But you have to open the door. That's an invitation. You have to say, yeah, I want you. As a matter of fact, this is a prayer I pray all the time. Steal it. Use it for yourself. I say, Lord, I invite you into this situation all the time. If you've ever met with me in my office and, hey, you wanted counsel, I would give you counsel. But you know what I do at the end? I usually say, Lord, we invite you into this situation. You know, you don't even have to have me to pray that with you. You can do that yourself. Lord, I invite you into this situation. See, God has created a pathway to his presence. And you get to invite him into your life. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. It simply takes an invitation. Let's keep going. Exodus 33. We keep reading, 15 through 18. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, Lord, don't make us leave this place. He's like, look, I ain't going anywhere unless you're with us. I'm not doing anything unless your presence is with me. Verse 16, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, me and your people, if you don't go with us? Get this, for your presence among us sets your people and me apart from the other people on the earth. Wow, I want to be a people of God's presence. They know, you know what? I might not agree with everything VFC does and, and that pale, pudgy, plaid preacher over there. <laughs> I may not agree, but you know what? God's presence is there. I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. As long as it's recognized that God's presence is in our midst. 
The Lord says to Moses, verse 17, I will indeed do what you've asked for. I'll look favorably on you and I know, know you by name. That should have been enough. But what does Moses say? Verse 18, Moses responded, then show me your glory. Or as one translation says, show me your glorious presence. I love that Moses had dedication. It wasn't just an invitation. It was dedication. He was like, I ain't going anywhere. And Lord, I'm glad that you're going with me. So show me your glory. Show me who you really are. And he does. You can read in the rest of of, of this chapter, God actually passes in front of Moses. And he gets this incredible encounter with God. Why? Because of his dedication. Psalm 27.4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord. This is the amplified version. That will I seek to inquire for and insistently require that I may dwell in the house of the Lord in his presence all the days of my life. Is the presence of God only optional for you? If that's the case, then you'll only get a certain measure of his presence. But if the presence of God is not an option for you in this life, you are going to see his glory. You're going to see him in a powerful way. God entrusts us with the measure of his presence that we are willing to diligently pursue. Hear that again. God will entrust you with the measure of his glory, his presence, the measure that you are willing to diligently pursue pursue are you pursuing him do you have that kind of dedication he says i'll be with you scripture says i'll never leave you or forsake you are you content with that or do you want more it's dedication that brings about the glorious presence of the lord let's keep reading exodus 34 2 through 3 so the lord has passed before moses And then God says this, be ready in the morning to climb Mount Sinai and present yourself to me at the top of the mountain. Verse three, no one else may come with you. In fact, no one is to appear anywhere on the mountain. (laughs) Do not even let the flocks or herds graze near the mountain. Okay, God, I I hear you, all right? What's What's the next step in God's presence? It's isolation. Now, that word has negative connotations. You could say solitude. But all these words that we're about to go over in with T-I-O-N, I didn't want to break the pattern. It's a preacher thing. But here's the truth of it. In order for you to experience God's goodness, God's presence, there's going to be times of corporate worship. Like, wasn't worship so good this morning? So good. And you can only get that in a corporate setting. But you know what? The praise team is not going to follow you to work tomorrow. I won't be there either. But you know who will be there? The presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be there if you're aware of him, if you invite him, if you're dedicated to him. So you can't multitask intimacy. Those of you who are married, you know this. It requires time alone, just the two of you. Get a babysitter for the kids and just the two of us go out, spend quality time with one another. Guys, it's the same with the father as well. Philippians 3, 8, Paul says, yes, everything else is worthless. What is worthless? Everything. 
everything on this planet, everything you can see, taste, touch, smell, interact with, everything else, it's pointless, it's worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Guys, God deserves to be our one and only, not one of many. And it's in this solitude, this isolation, where we will experience the presence of God. This is what happened with Moses. He went up by himself. Look, I'm here for you. The pastors are here for you. But your relationship, I'm not going to stand. Well, I I, I will give account for how I shepherd you. But I'm not going to stand in front of God for you. Right? I mean, I I am not going to uh, stand and give account for your decisions. You will. It's you. It's between you and God. Here's the next one. Let's keep reading. Exodus 34, 4. So Moses chiseled out two tablets of stone like the first ones. Early in the morning, he climbed Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. So what Moses did is preparation. Preparation. He, he had, so he broke the previous Ten Commandments, right? He broke the previous tablets because he was mad. And so God says, okay, bring some more. So he brings blank tablets, like he probably could have remembered what God wrote on them. But instead, he brought blank tablets and he went back up into the presence of God. There was preparation. There was preparation. You guys know this. If you want to invite someone, a guest over to your house, you need to create a favorable environment so they'll stick around. Could you imagine if I invite you over to my house and as soon as you open the door, you smell dog pee everywhere. And there's dirty clothes just all throughout the house. And the place is dirty and it's not cleaned and it's just disgusting. You'd be like, thank you for the invitation. I just remembered I have to be somewhere else. Right? So that's why we clean up before you come over. (laughs) And it's the same way, guys. We want to be good hosts of the presence of the Lord. And that's going to take some preparation in your life. Check this out. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32, it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. It means do not bring sorrow to the... Do you know you can make the Holy Spirit sad? That's what it says. It says don't do it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Aramaic text says don't limit his scope. You can limit by grieving the Holy Spirit what he is able to do in your life. How? Keep Reading. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed. So, now I would think he's about to list some sin. I would think these would be really big sins that were that like, oh, murder. Murder's got to be on this list, right? That would grieve. And it certainly does grieve the Holy Spirit. But check out the examples of the things that grieve the Holy Spirit here. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all bitterness, whoops, wrath, anger, clamor. Clamor means loud quarreling. You ever done that? And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Isn't it interesting that the things we were told grieve the Holy Spirit is how we speak to one another. 
Holy Spirit is available. Your attention is on him. You're interacting with him. You're encountering his presence. And then you lose it with one of his other kids. And he's like, I'm out. Would you let someone talk to your kid that way? He's out. He's like, I'm not going to be a part of this. See, you are in control of how much of his presence you experience by how much you prepare. If you want the Holy Spirit to hang out at your place, you got to clean it up. Now, let me just say, I'm not talking about salvation here. Holy Spirit is in you when you get saved. I'm talking about Holy Spirit on you. I'm talking about encountering his presence, right? We, he's done all the heavy lifting when it comes to salvation. I'm not talking about earning salvation, but I'm talking about fellowship with his presence. There has to be preparation. The price that you pay for God's presence is holiness, being set apart. Not perfect. If that were the case, no one could ever be around him. But there is a price that you pay, and it's preparation. Let's look again. Exodus thirty-three eleven. It says this, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. So we see something everywhere when they traveled, he would set up this tent of meeting where Moses could converse with God. You know, communication is an important part of the presence of the Lord. Communication is two-way. It's talk and listen. Talk and listen. Guys, when you get in the presence of God, when you set, when you isolated yourself, it's time just for me and him, don't just talk at him. Talk with him. Leave rooms of silence for you to just be in his presence and, and hear what he's saying back. You probably won't hear the audible voice of God. I never have. But what he does is he uses your thoughts. Talk to God like you know him. Talk to God like it makes a difference. Be honest. What you think about God determines how you pray to him. James 5.16, we know the first half of this, it says, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. But the second half of this verse says this, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We've got to talk. The communication is part of the presence of God. There are times when I'm just still in his presence. And there are other times where I just talk to him and it's not in King James English. Oh, thou wast father of mine, maker of heaven and earth. I don't do that. I'm like, hey, God, today kind of stinks. I need you right now. Talk like you know him. Talk like you know him. If you believe in a prayer hearing God, you'll become a prayer loving Christian. If you trust that he's listening, then you'll talk. Next, Exodus 34, 28. So Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights. That's a long time. 40 days, 40 nights? That is a long time. Habitation is the next step in God's presence. Habitation. It takes time to cultivate a relationship with a person. And that includes God. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And here we go. He rewards those who earnestly, some translations say diligently, others say sincerely, seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently, earnestly, and sincerely seek him. Habitation. 
Habitation. You know, we talk about a habitation being where you live. Well, this is this animal's habitation, natural habitat. Where you live is where you've made a habit of being. It's a habitation. Have you created a habit of God's presence? Or do you just come to him when you're in trouble? He wants habitation with you. Scripture says that Jesus is coming back for a bride. That means God is not interested in one night stands. He wants a bride, not a harlot. He's wanting a relationship, not just, oh, I happen to feel the feels right now, so yes, Lord, and then I go live my life however I want to, whenever I want to. No, it's habitation. It's a regular, again, it's not perfection. Perfection is not on this list. But it's a regular habitation with his presence. Lastly, Exodus 34, 29 through 30. When Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Verse 30, so when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. That's crazy. 40 days and 40 nights in the presence of God, his face started like literally shining to the point everyone was like, uh... They were like, is that new concealer? I mean, they, they knew, they knew something was up. They were like, whoa. And notice, they kind of retreated, didn't they? The last step in pursuing God's presence is transformation. Transformation. 2 Corinthians 3, this is a rather long passage. I, I, I tried to whittle it down, but it's just, you need to read the whole thing. As a matter of fact, the whole chapter is incredible. But let me just read two major sections of this chapter, 2 Corinthians 3. And it's talking about, it's comparing and contrasting. Because we've been talking about Moses and Moses in the Old Covenant. And now it's about to draw the parallel between what Moses experienced and what you can experience. All right, this is it. This is incredible. You ready? 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 11. The old way with laws etched in stone. That's what we are just talking about, the Ten Commandments, right? With laws etched in stone led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel couldn't bear to look at Moses' face. That's what we just read in Exodus. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Verse 8, shouldn't we expect far greater glory of God? Shouldn't we expect a far greater glory of God? Under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life. Verse 9, if the old way which brought condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God. In fact, verse 10, the first glory was not so glorious at all compared to the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Skip ahead a little bit, and where we're skipping, he talks about the veil. He's drawing a parallel between the veil that was over Moses' face, so he wouldn't freak everyone out, and the veil of blindness, those who can't see Christ for who he is. We'll pick up at verse 16. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, I pray that's you this morning, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image. 
Guys, God's presence will change you. One translation says it's from glory to glory, from encounter to encounter, from experience to experience. As you do these things we've talked about, invitation, dedication, isolation, preparation, communication, as you do these things, you will be changed. You will be changed from glory to glory, a little bit every time, just a little bit every time, until your face starts shining. And your family's like, what's up with you, man? You're different. And it's not just a dead religion where you're trying to follow the rules. You're following a person. And there's life. There's life. And and some people aren't going to want to go near you. Because your face shines and it's weird for them. And it makes them uncomfortable. That's fine. The Lord will get them another way. Are you willing to pay the price to experience the presence of God? Are you making room for the presence of God in your life? Let's stand for prayer. Take a moment and close your eyes. Ask the Holy Spirit the question I just asked you. Holy Spirit, am I making room for you? Am I going off by myself? Am I inviting you into what's seemingly mundane and tedious, the normal parts of my life? Am I preparing my heart for your presence? Am I communicating with you? Am I making a habit of it? Come on, where are you? When you think that thought towards the Lord, what thought pops back in your head? It's probably the Holy Spirit. Are you making room for God's presence in your life? I thought about having a moment where we could all just kind of sit in this presence together, but honestly, I don't want to do that. I want you to go do it yourself. I want you to establish your routine I want you to get alone with God. Go up the mountain. Just you and him. I want you to hunger for his presence. And we can do that corporately, but ultimately, you're going to have to do it on your own. You're going to have to make the decision that's who you want to be. But I'd love to lead you in a prayer this morning where you invite the Holy Spirit to make his home in your life. If you will, pray this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me and redeeming me. But that's not enough because I want to live in your presence all the days of my life. No matter the cost to me, I want to be with you. So I invite you, make your home in me May I have habitation with you. Holy Spirit, come be with me. And as I set aside time, would you meet me and do in me what you want to do? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Val, will you close us?
Hey, once again, thanks for listening to the VFC podcast. If you live in the Thomasville area, we would love for you to connect with us in person. For more information about our weekly gatherings, including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.